The shadows of storm and night. The mysteries of life and light. From unearthly peculiarities, celestial and divine, to apparitions and transcendental signs. You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm your host, Beck. Today's episode is about dealing with grief. Most of us have had to deal with the loss of a friend or a loved one, and if you haven't yet, you most certainly will at some time or another. Losing a loved one is hard enough, but when it's a parent, or even more devastating, the loss of a child, how are you supposed to cope with that? Where do you go? What do you do? Now, with the holidays approaching, many parents who have lost a child, they find the holidays to be unbearable. My hope is that today's show will help you to feel supported in your grief and know that you're never alone. Now, you may feel like you are, but you're not. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a beautiful woman I have had the pleasure of knowing for 40 years. She's a social media strategist and is the owner of Tracy Social Media. It's a boutique social media firm. She's an advocate for ADHD awareness and has led discussions with parents about ADHD. She's the founder of Andrew's Angels, and that's in memory of her son, Andrew, who struggled with severe ADHD and passed recently in 2019. Please welcome Christina Tracy. Hi, Christina. Thanks for hey. being here today. Hey, Beck. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here because we have a lot of people struggling with this subject, especially coming into the holidays. And I thought, who better to have on than somebody that has gone through it or is dealing with this open wound? Yeah, you know, I have three children, my daughter, Morgan, my son, Andrew, my son, Ethan. And Ethan is now 12, Morgan is 20. And Andrew was our middle child, and he actually was... Very middle childish. <laughs> he uh, he was the the one that um, you know the rules were made for. And Andrew, uh, as you said, he struggled with severe ADHD. Uh, he was formally diagnosed when he was seven years old. My husband and I knew it pretty much right away. Right when he was born, I mean he. My water broke and we had to rush to the hospital and he was born just a few hours later. <laughs> so he uh, just came into the world roaring to go. How are your other children dealing with this loss? Um, they're continuing to move forward. Both of them, well, very honestly, they're doing well. It'll be two years next month that Andrew's been gone. And some say the first year is the hardest, but it's because you go through those first, first holidays, birthday, so forth. But my daughter, especially, she was a senior in high school. She had a very tough time, but she ended up graduating on time, but then left for college, you know, not long after Andrew died. She's had a tough time. She's had a tough time, but we continuously make sure that we are focused as a family. Not long after my uh, 
son died uh, just a few hours later. My husband got home. He wasn't home when it happened. And essentially, Morgan started screaming and crying that our family was never going to be the same. This is going to tear our family apart. And, And my husband and I rushed to her and said, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. We we are going to get through this. We are going to get through this as a family. And we are going to make it. That's been a big worry for hers, our family unit and our family being together. And how's um, the, the little one doing? Ethan, Ethan had a tough first year. Andrew, you know, there was four and a half years age difference between the two of them. And Andrew, Andrew was just his big brother, his best buddy. They would play together often. They would always fight, but still played together often. And they just loved each other so much. And so when we lost Andrew, Ethan, he lost his brother, his best friend, and he kind of just wanted to not be by himself from the family, but he didn't play with kids, his friends, as much as he had. He just needed some space for a while. But now he's doing great. We we really are, we're doing, as my therapist says, we're doing exactly what we should be doing and we're doing great right now. That's a big statement, I know. Yeah, it is. This is a very sensitive subject, and I am wondering if you can tell us about Andrew's passing. Andrew had, like I I have said, uh, he had severe ADHD with impulsivity control issues, which is very common in people with ADHD. He would do something and not just react and just do it. And then later on, when there were consequences, he genuinely was very sorry, but he just didn't think. And I was always worried. Oh my God, something's going to happen. He's going to get hurt or arrested, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Essentially on January 2nd, 2019, just shy of two years ago, uh, we had had a great holiday and actually had gone to a college football bowl in Orlando. We came home. Everything was fine. My husband was out of town for work that night, and it was probably about uh, 11.30, and I was ready to go to bed. Ethan, my son, had a friend over that night that was spending the night, and we have a third floor, finished attic in our house. So that's like the kid's domain. My daughter Morgan was out with friends. Andrew was in his room. So about like it's 1145, I went in to his room and he was on his phone. Of course, I told him, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm going to bed. And he said, yeah, I'm tired too. I'm going to go to bed in a few minutes. I said, okay, don't stay up too late. He was like, all right, I won't. And I said, I love you. And he said, love you too, mom. Good night. Uh, I went to bed. About an hour later at 1230, Ethan 
comes into my room and he's like, mom, someone's ringing the doorbell. I'm like, who the hell's ringing the doorbell at 1230 at night? So we have a balcony off of our bedroom. So I went out to the balcony and I just kind of yelled out, who's there? Two police officers stepped down off of the porch below and said, you know, are, are you Christina Tracy? And I said, yes, what's going on? And one of the officers said, you know, we, we had a welfare call for your son, Andrew. Like my son, Andrew, he's, he's in bed asleep. All right, hold on. So I went downstairs. I let them in, uh, into my foyer. I couldn't understand in my sleepiness. I was going to get them. I was thinking, did Andrew somehow apply for welfare and get a check? And now they want the check back. I mean, I, I, right. I, I couldn't figure <laughs> this out. Right. So when the officers came in, they said they were doing a safety check on Andrew. Very honestly, this is not the first time because Andrew would just say and do stupid things. So I said, well, he's, he's in his room. He's sleeping. I said, I'll, I'll go get him. I walked up to the second floor. Ethan was at the stairs and he said, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. Something with your brother. Go back upstairs. Stay on the third floor. And he said, okay. So we went back upstairs. I walked down the hall into Andrew's room. His room was the last room in the hallway. When I first walked in, I didn't see him in bed. His lights were on. I turned around in his room and he was hanging in his closet. Oh, no. He had put a belt that was on his closet rod and put it around his neck. Now, when I first walked in, I thought, what the hell? And then I just said it out loud. I'm like, Andrew, what the hell are you doing? The cops are here. What are you, stop it. Because Andrew is someone who wouldn't know when to stop a prank or a joke. So I started, I'm like, Andrew, enough, stop, open your eyes. And I started pulling him up. I'm like, Andrew, this enough. This is ridiculous. And I remember putting my cheek to his cheek. I'm like, okay, he's warm. Nothing, I mean, that's it's not registering, but it's okay, he's warm, so he's fine. I just kept saying, you know, get up, stand up. This is ridiculous. And that's when I realized something wasn't right. It felt like two, three minutes that I was up there, but it was probably about 15 seconds and I started screaming, somebody help me, come help me. So the police ran upstairs, they took him down, they immediately started doing CPR in his room on him and then called for an ambulance. Then my son, Ethan, came down again and I said, Ethan, you have got to stay upstairs. I can't explain what's going on right now, but you have to stay upstairs. And he said, okay. And So then uh, the police officer, I'm in the hallway with him and he's talking about Andrew's phone. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking. I I, I don't know. What's what's going on with my son? It's just not registering. But I knew I had to make some phone calls. So first I had to call Ethan's friend's parents who live right down the street to tell them, you need to come and get your kids. Something's going on. I don't know what's going on with my son, but something's going on and I need you to come get him. I called my in-laws who at the time lived down the street from us and I called Morgan. Basically, 
I remember that I, I went back into his room. Paramedics had come by now. They were using a defibrillator on him. And I remember thinking, I don't understand what's going on. He's faking everybody. How is he doing this? Right. So Ethan's friend came downstairs and I brought him down to the first floor. And I'll never forget this. We went, looked out the window and my street was just lined with police cars and ambulances and and fire trucks. And I remember his friend saying, wow. And I said, yeah. He left, my daughter came home, my in-laws came over, and the police officer comes down, he's still trying to talk to me about his phone. And at this point, Andrew, um, they were still working on him. They brought him down on a stretcher that the police officer had me turn away to not see this. They left in an ambulance. They're still talking about the fucking phone. I'm like, I just... I need to go, we need to go to the hospital. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about with the phone, but I need to go. We got to the hospital. We were brought into a room that they called a consulting room. I knew damn well what that room was used for. And I was like, I'm not going in there. I was finally coaxed in by my daughter and my mother-in-law. The doctor came in and she told me they were still working on him, but it wasn't looking good. And she left. And I remember just saying, I I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what's going on. About five minutes later, she came back and and told us he was gone. I, uh, I fell to my knees and was just screaming his name and screaming why I don't understand. Because at this point, we've just automatically assumed this was intentional, that this is a suicide, that he had taken his life. And I I just kept screaming, I don't understand. I don't understand. To back up now, what had actually happened after I left Andrew's room and went to bed, he was actually, apparently he was on a video chat with three other friends. And they were talking, joking around. Andrew took his his uh, headphones and the cord, he put it around his neck as a joke of hanging himself. And, you know, he got a little laugh for that. Well, Andrew being the comedian he was, he wanted to go for a bigger laugh. His uh, belt was hanging on his closet rod and he went over, he put it around his neck and then he dropped his phone and he bent down to pick it up. The belt tightened around his neck. He passed out within a second or two, I'm told. And then gravity took care of the rest. Oh, that's so devastating. Now his friends, they could only see his hand in the camera view. Thank God. They started realizing after a few minutes, you know, they started screaming his name and yelling and and he wasn't responding. So one of his friends went to his father and said, I think something's wrong with this. I, we, we need to, I think we need to call 911. And they did. And that's how the police ended up on my porch. That is so sad. I'm sorry. This must tie into the ADHD. I'm sure there are a lot of people that 
don't understand what that is. Can you explain what ADHD is? Yes. ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Now, it's different from ADD, which is Attention Deficit Disorder. There is a huge difference. One is active, one is inactive. And it's basically how your mind is wired that you're constantly, your, your brain is, is it's, it's like a filing cabinet that's open. And there's 20,000 different files that you're trying to look at all at once. So the concentration, the focus, and impulsivity is very common in ADHD. Andrew, he he would just, again, do things and just not think about the consequences. I'd actually love to share a very funny story with you. Just an example. When he was in fifth grade, so he was about 10 years old, they had a substitute at school in his classroom that day. They were working on a math assignment. When they finished, uh, him and a few friends got up and were looking out the window in the classroom. It's a first floor school, one floor school. And we had had a ton of rain. And so apparently there was this like outside the window, this huge worm. And one of Andrew's friends said, hey, Andrew, I'll give you 10 bucks if you get that worm. Andrew's like, shit, $10. Wow. They were called back to their seats and Andrew sat there for a couple minutes, the teacher's talking, and he just, he couldn't get that worm, more specifically the money that was being offered, out of his mind. So he stood up and he said, I'm going for it. Oh, wow. He ran to the window, opened the window, jumped out the window, grabbed the worm, came back in the classroom, closed the window, and he's showing it. I got it. You owe me 10 bucks. Yeah. So then the phone call came from the school and the vice principal, who we were on a first name basis after all these years, uh, she said, you know, she told me what happened. And I couldn't help it. First thing I did was started laughing. <laughs> and oh, she she got mad at me. She, Mrs. Tracy, this was a 30-year retired teacher. She had to go to the nurse's office because she has high blood pressure. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew got into a lot of trouble. Uh, but the best part was two or three days later, he came home really upset. Came home from school and I said, What's wrong? He's like, I got into all this trouble. He's like, I didn't even get the $10. <laughs> but that's just an example of impulsivity he had, you know, where he just, he wouldn't think of things. It, yeah. it just wouldn't occur to him. It seemed like a bit of a fixation too. Is that part of that Absolutely. as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. He would get fixated on things and couldn't let it go. The ADD part of ADHD is essentially it just it's constantly losing your focus. It's it's getting that focus, keeping that focus. I mean, he was medicated. That's where medication comes in because that helps 
for these brains to focus. I'm wondering if statistically, if there is uh, more accidents or more situations like this that occur with kids that are ADHD. I unfortunately know quite a few people who have been through this. You know, Andrews was a complete accident as far as he wasn't doing any challenges online. Right. Like the crazy eating detergent pods and stuff. Right. Exactly. And unfortunately, there is actually a choking game challenge that I know quite a few people have lost their children. This is the only one I know of, but uh, one friend of mine, her son died five months after Andrew. She lives in Indiana and her son died from the choking challenge. And he had ADHD. So I'm not sure what the uh, percentage would be, but it's actually a very interesting question. Interesting to find out. You have a mixed religious family. Yes. How does your spirituality tie into the passing of your son? Well, very honestly, that's, that's a pretty tough one. I've never really had a strong religious background. And I've I've just always questioned everything. I've always assumed that, you know, someone dies, they go to heaven, and they're watching over us and everything like that. With other deaths that have happened, you know, previously in my life, but my son, I've had a very hard time with anger and of him not being here and wanting to know why one person lives to 85, but then this person is taken away at 15. Why is that even happening? Why, you know, and and I've heard so many answers, you know, I've, I've heard the, the Christian answers. I've heard the Jewish answers. Um, My children and I are Jewish. My husband is not. And it's very frustrating and confusing when you don't have a solid religious base. It has not been easy to accept his death and have a a strong sense of knowing where he is. I don't know if we... If there is a heaven, if we go to heaven, Jews, you know, in Judaism, it's not so much what happens after you die. It's your legacy and how you lived, you know, the little bit of goodness you did in the world before you, before you died. Just the questioning. We just don't know. We've, we have actually had what we take as a couple different signs from Andrew and we don't really know what to do with that. We don't, you know, I mean, it's, and it's been a long time. Since. I was going to ask you that about receiving spiritual signs that he's with you. Yeah. Uh, we two, actually three that we really, there's no way anything can be explained. Uh, the first was uh, about a month after he passed, we were getting into the car opened the back door of our minivan and or the side door of the minivan and there was this 
little rock that Andrew had drawn a face on and on the other side had put his initials on. I've never seen this rock before. Doesn't surprise me. But it was just sitting in the seat he sat on in the van. Wow. And we just, I, I said, Steve, do you know where this, where this came from? And he's like, no. I mean, he drives the minivan to work and back. And it just it didn't make sense. And it's something we could not explain. My logical side of my brain says maybe Ethan put it there or... You know, we had had so many people at our house when he first died and it had been in our van. So I thought maybe that, maybe someone found it and but it, 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 it didn't make sense. There was no logical reasoning for it. So you were looking for the logic in it. You weren't quick to jump into, this is a sign for my son. This is him trying to communicate with me. No, I, I well, it, that's the only possible explanation. I'm the type of person that, you know, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. So what I- A healthy skeptic, perhaps. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I just wish, you know, I'm like, okay, if he's going to show signs, just, you know what, just show up in my dream or something and talk to me so I can understand all this. But we've had two other signs. One, a letter that kind of popped out of the bottom of a drawer in our nightstand that he had wrote when he was little. Said something along the lines of, Dear Mom and Dad, I love you. Thank you for always taking care of me and loving me and giving me a bed to sleep on. I love you. Love, Andrew. And just, it was. That, I think, There was no reason for that to pop out there, and it just popped out in between the two drawers. And then my husband and I very much enjoy craft beers. We saved over the years hundreds, if not thousands, thousands of beer bottle caps. Now, my birthday is New Year's Day, and my birthday present from my husband and kids was this tabletop that my husband built that had hundreds of bottle caps on it. It was going to be a tabletop for my back porch. And Andrew and and Steve worked on this for weeks before my birthday. Gave it to me for my birthday. And it was then the next day that Andrew died. But my husband had a hard time finishing it because it had to be finished. And he had a hard time finishing it. I finally, I believe, uh, in the spring said, you know, I really need you to finish this for me because this is from Andrew and I I really, you know, I I need this finished. So he finished it, but I had found a bottle cap that I was like, oh, you should put this one in too. It was just a good beer that we liked. And I left it on the counter in the kitchen for a few weeks. Then it slowly migrated. I brought it upstairs and put it on my dresser. And it was there for a few months. It's just one of those things that it just became a part of whatever's on your table. We went up to bed one night and, or no, got up in the morning and the beer bottle cap 
was sitting under the covers on our mattress. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty big. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't put it there. I didn't put it there. You know, I know my kids didn't put it, you know, and, and so that's where those three signs that I, I so badly want to believe, but I'm just also, once you get a couple signs, it's like you're constantly hungry for them. Very true. A lot of people in general that have the loss of someone immediately seek a medium. Have you ever thought or considered consulting a medium to connect with Andrew? I actually have, yes. I have not done it yet. Because I'm so skeptical, I'm concerned about who it would be and making sure, you know, that... They're credible. Yeah, that they're credible. I just, I need to find someone credible. I've worked with grieving parent groups, and a lot of the time it comes down to them wanting to personally connect to their child. Mm -hmm. There are many different ways to approach it. Mm -hmm. But I I was very interested in in your thoughts on that. What do you say to a grieving parent? And what don't you say? Because I find that, you know, it is a very touchy subject. And I find that some people get very angry if you say the wrong thing. So what would be your advice on how to speak to a grieving parent? Well, I can definitely tell you what not to say. You don't say things like, uh, one time someone saw me out shopping and said, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that you're over losing Andrew. Lady, I'm getting some bananas. I, I'm not over it. Right. I said, you know, um, and uh, you don't say, you know, you need to move on and and there is no moving on. There's moving forward. As a parent, this is, Somebody that I have known nine months longer than my husband, that I helped create and that I grew and loved immensely. Biggest thing parents want people to do, and I'm on a lot of death of a child boards, talk about them. Don't be afraid to bring up their child's name. I get so excited. Like right now, this whole conversation, I'm just talking about Andrew. I love this. I could talk anybody's ear off about him. Say their name. Don't be afraid, you know, especially with the holidays. Don't be afraid to address the card to all of them, including the child they've lost. Don't be afraid of that. Don't don't be worried that you're gonna hurt their feelings. Now, obviously. Everybody's different, but I know whenever anybody asks me anything about Andrew or brings up his name or even asks how I'm doing, it makes me feel a lot better. It makes me... I think that's very healthy. It it, it really is. This isn't, oh, we need to, you know, we need to hide from this and just not talk about it anymore. I mean, the one thing that's left is preserving his memory and making sure that people are remembering him. It is interesting seeing the difference because it's 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 been almost two years. People don't really 
you know, the casserole stopped coming long ago. I really miss that. Um, but the, ca- the casserole? Is that what you said? Yeah, the casseroles. I was getting tons of food to my house. First oh. <laughs> six months, I had a meal train. And every day, someone was bringing me a casserole. Damn, I didn't have to cook forever. <laughs> but especially right now around the holidays, this will be our second holiday without him. December is affectionately known as Chrismaka, combination of Christmas and Hanukkah in our uh, interfaith family. And last year, the first holiday, I had a very hard time getting into the holiday spirit. I posted something on Facebook about it and just how hard it was. And I posted it on his Facebook page. A woman contacted me that's an interior decorator and her and three friends came into my house a couple days later, put up our trees because I'm the Jew with three Christmas trees and decorated my house for the holidays. It was like the best thing in the world. She's an Andrew angel. (laughs) She really is. She really is. Let's give that website out for people because you have a group called Andrew's Angels. Yes. And that is a Facebook group. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Not to derail you, but. No, 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 it's fine. Andrew's Angels. I wish I could say I came up with this concept, (laughs) but I didn't. One of my very best friends in the world, Julie, she came up with this concept of a name, Andrew's Angels. And she created bracelets in memory of Andrew. And the bracelets say his name. And then they say, always choose kindness and laughter. She said she pulled those words out of Andrew's obituary that I wrote. Mm -hmm. And we realized what an amazing gift she had given us because we had something that we could sort of start his legacy on, tell his story. So from the bracelets, I created a Facebook page and it's Andrews, plural, Angels 813 uh, on Facebook. We have, I don't even know how many anyway. I think we've got over 4,000 followers Wow! on the page. It started as my grief work and About six weeks after he died, I decided that I was going to share his story on Facebook. That's a big... It was was big. It was big because nobody really, aside from close family and friends, knew what exactly had happened. And thank goodness, nobody asked me either. When a parent's ready to share, they're ready to share. But now this page, it's become two-part. It's a wonderful release for me to write on and post memories about Andrew and also getting more awareness out for ADHD. This isn't a joke, fake diagnosis. This isn't fake. I've had, trust me, I've had tons of people. I tell my, them I have, my son has severe ADHD and now he's just a boy. Okay. Yeah. Now this also sparked random acts of kindness. It did. What kind of things were you seeing coming from this? Well, Just, we would get little cards or little things on our porch, but what really sparked it was Andrew's birthday was August 13th, and I wanted to do something meaningful and try and figure out how 
to spread this kindness and laughter. And my husband and I had this idea that random acts of kindness are the best way to do it because we're always spreading his name. Now, we've made his birthday Andrew's Angels Day where we have uh, cards printed out with Andrew's picture and we do a random act of kindness for each year of his birthday. So the first year we did 16 random acts of kindness. This year we did 17 random acts of kindness. But it spread to where I had to send out over a hundred envelopes all across the country to people that wanted cards to participate in Andrew's Angels Day. So there were random acts of kindness going on all over the country. That is so beautiful. What you've done is is amazing. You've taken something so unbearable and heart-wrenching and a lot of people get stuck in this cycle of grief and you've turned it into something celebratory and kind. What are some resources maybe you found that helped you that might help others that aren't able to move through this like you are? I think definitely what helped me was I did a lot of reading. I read a lot of books about grief, but specifically books for parents who have lost a child. You know, I got, I was very hard for a long time and didn't like reading books where, you know, they were talking about how devastated they were that their grandmother died because it came back to the age thing for me. And I'm like, yeah, it's sad, but you don't need to be reading a grief book. I mean, unfortunately, I, and this is the this was awful. My my grandmother, who you, you know, Beck, she was like a mother to me. Lived with her for years. Oh yeah. She passed away six weeks after Andrew did. Hit after six, hit. Hit after. Oh man, the hits just kept coming. But I still have been filled with so much grief for Andrew. I haven't even, I still to this day have not processed her death because I'm just so overcome with grief for Andrew. I I, I just, I mean, I'm, I, I guarantee you in a few years, I'm going to be sitting on the couch with my husband and I'm going to start crying out all of a sudden. It's going to be like, what's wrong? I'm be like, oh my God, my grandmother died. You know, I finally have room in my heart for that. I think also it's it was the fact I said to myself she was 88 and man she led a full amazing life and had five children and eight grandchildren and three great grandchildren I mean she really had a good life and so it's sad and we miss her but I have a hard time because when I look at Andrew I see someone who didn't get to finish what he started. However, I have also been told, given the opinion, which I, I, I do like that um, he was so busy in his short life and did so much, maybe had some subconscious internal clock knowing that he wasn't going to be able to do all of it. He almost lived a lifetime within his short life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. On the moments where you can't get out of bed and that pain is so sharp uh, that life doesn't even feel real and, and you're not even recognizing the woman in front of the mirror. I mean, what 
pushed you? What helped you get through that? My family did, my therapist, and my daughter's words the morning that Andrew died. I have had quite a few times where I have not wanted to go on. This indescribable pain that I had, and I didn't. I, I, there were so many times I just couldn't bear to go on, and I didn't want to. But I also know it's not my time. My family, I would have hurt them so much if they lost me. And I had to keep going for my family. I had to keep going. I have to keep going. And that's not to say that there are days that I don't even get up from the couch. It unfortunately it happened Sunday and Monday, just this past week. We were out of town for Thanksgiving. We got home Saturday and we Christmas cut the house on Saturday, put up three trees and then, you know, threw some dreidels and menorahs out. But I had a very hard time decorating the tree, especially our main one, because that one is the one that has all the kids' ornaments and the ones they've made and been given over the years and so forth. Looking through those, I just, I, I couldn't hang most of them. Other people, I didn't even say anything, just I avoided Andrew's ornaments. And that led me just Sunday and Monday just staring at the tree and just being sad, just being sad. You know, he's not getting an ornament this year. He's not going to fight with his brother and sister over who can, you know, be Santa on Christmas morning. Uh, He's not going to fight with his brother and sister on who gets to light the menorah each night. It's devastating. It's, It's absolutely devastating. But it again, I have to make sure that I continue living, actually living to one, share Andrew's story, share kindness and laughter to everybody, be there for my family because we already know we've had some good moments. And I know there's going to be even more good moments. It's just going to suck that he's not here for them. One day at a time. One, one day, at a time. day at a time. And if they need it, one minute at a time. One second at a time. One breath. I can't even imagine. I'm I'm not in that position to even say, well, I can relate or I understand because I simply don't. I could never comprehend that. Yeah. But I can I can sympathize and oh, thank you. I, I'm not a religious person. I mm-hmm. consider myself, and I know that's cliche. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. But there is a passage. It's Isaiah 43, 2. And it says, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And I believe he sees you. Yeah. I think he sees you. Yeah. And I think that he sees all the wonderful things that you do not only for him and his memory, but for your family and for the thousands of others that are out there struggling or even the people that aren't struggling that just see your struggle and they want to be there for others. That is an amazing thing. Thank you. It's a tragic 
blessing. It, it, that's that's essentially what it is. Is it's it's tragic. It sucks, but I know I'm doing good with his name and, and with yourself. Tremendous amount of growth. Uh, yeah, within and strength that you've had to pull from deep within. Well, I don't know. Everybody tells me I'm strong. I don't see it though. Because I look at things like, you know, being on the couch Sunday and Monday, sad. I, I look at stuff like that and think, well, why did I, you know, do that? I shouldn't have, you know, I, I, I need, i been almost two years. I shouldn't have to do that. Thankfully, my therapist said, no, no, you should do that. <laughs> I mean, our greatest warriors have to deal with the biggest hardship through their lives. That's something I've learned as a common thread throughout my uh, interviews is that these warriors of light in which I consider you to be one, even though I know you don't consider yourself to be one, just coming on to this program and being able to tell your story and tell your son's story, that is huge. Most people could not do this. And if they did, they would be just wrought with tears and emotion to where they couldn't even finish. So to me, you are strong and you are a warrior. Thank you. I'm trying. And I love you. <laughs> I love you. I mean, come on. We've known each other since we were five. I think you're just a great person and a strong person. And, and you've always had that knowing inside of you. You know, when you showed up at my grandmother's funeral oh. and, and then knowing that you lost your grandmother, I couldn't, I just didn't even know what to say to you when this was happening. I, it was like, I was like in that, oh, what do I do? What do I say? Mm -hmm. I don't. That was so meaningful to me, my oh, mother, I'm... just to see you walk through that door. I, I loved it. your grandma. I, I loved, know. she was awesome. And when I read it in the paper, I was like, oh no. And I, I felt so bad for you guys, knowing how close you were and, and that she was gone. And I thought to my, I mean, how long has it been now? Uh, I think it was 2010. So it's been 10 years. All I could think about is I can't imagine when I get to that day losing my grandmother. Which happened. Which happened. And, you know, I, this woman deserves to be grieved she, and, and, and have that time of realizing and mourning this loss. And I just, mm -hmm. I haven't been able to give it to her yet. I know I will. I've caught myself a couple times that I have. I mean, the very first thing I thought of when my mom told me, when she called me to tell me that my grandmother had died, the very, very first thought that came into my head was, oh my God, Andrew was there to meet her. My friend Julie that started the bracelet, she was visiting. I was just so stunned. And she said both her Andrews were there to meet her because Andrew was named after my grandfather. Okay. her husband. Wow. I believe that. I really do believe that only because I've had the blessings of being able to connect through to the other side. Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a very good friend of mine, she and her mother went to a medium party, I guess, pre-COVID. And essentially she was seeing Someone with the with the letter starting A, she couldn't quite make out the name coming through, and you know it was a teenage boy, and and it, it was Andrew. I believe it. Andrew was her son's friend, you know, was her friend's son, and 
I mean, why on earth that woman wouldn't pick up on that or know that? And that it's stuff like that. That what makes me believe there's things I know, even as I don't know if it's because I'm his mother. I, I know he's okay. I know he's okay. I am not sure where he is, but I actually really strongly know that he's okay. I just am not okay. He's okay. And I'm okay. I'm good knowing he's okay. I'm just selfish and I just want him here. It's the living that suffer. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're in this grief, it kind of casts a veil around you. This veil is a block and it's through no fault of your own. It's purely based on your energy and emotion. When you're not receiving that dream visitation or when you feel like, well, why aren't they coming to me, but they're going to them? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's coming from within you and your open wounds. That is a process. I mean, a lot of us want that to just, well, I, I want that dream now. I mean, I'm ready and it's not coming. Spirit comes to you when the time is right, as they know, they know. And so I don't want you to worry about that. I don't want other parents to worry about that. I want them to know that when the time is right, there will be a connection and you will wholeheartedly know this connection, yeah. albeit through dreams or, or connection through a medium or through however, however that happens. It, it, it will happen. I, I, I know it will. I'm just impatient as fuck. I'm just impatient. Yeah. I know. It's very interesting because a lot of the times you do end up having that, and it could be years later. It's subtle. It's within signs. It's within synchronicities. It's within these moments, these moments of waking up or these moments of falling asleep. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit. Where can people find you and can they reach out to you and talk to you? Because you are such a strong person that I truly feel that you'd be a great connection for people. Oh, thank you. Yes, I reach out to parents and I would love for parents to reach out to me to, you know, just a sounding board, just a vent, ask questions, anything. Best two places to find me is on Facebook at Andrews Angels 813. And I also have a website for him that is Andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W, Angels, A-N-G-E-L-S, dot org. My hope is to continue helping parents that have lost a child, parents who have an, a, a child with ADHD that they're, they're having issues with and just reach out and share Andrew's story and help just help I just I, that's the biggest thing is I just want to help that's the best thing yeah it does give me pride because the one thing I do know also aside from the fact that I know he's okay I know even in my skepticism I know he's proud of what we're doing I know he is too I I, I do that's that's one of the biggest things I know. It's interesting, some of the decisions that we've had to make, especially right away, we had to right away decide, you know, whether he was going to be cremated or buried. Now, Steve and I 
we just personally feel that burying is for the living. It's not for the dead. And we decided pretty much immediately, you know, we knew that we wanted to cremate him. Steve actually made his urn, a wooden box, that his ashes are kept in and they're on a shelf in our living room. But we don't have the strength to, because we want to spread them places, but we just don't, we don't, we don't have the strength to. We, as Steve puts it, he wants to keep them all here right now. But we knew burying just wasn't going to be the right thing. I mean, I'm not kidding. I would have, I guarantee you, knowing my mental health, I, I would have tried digging up the damn grave. There was no way we could do that. And I'm so glad we didn't. There's definitely a time when that will come and it is a process. Yeah. And, and it may never come and that's okay. We all deal with these things in totally different ways and you have to go at your own pace. I think what I want people to know, especially parents, anybody grieving, what you just said, you go at your own pace. There is no right or wrong in the grieving process. And I have to constantly tell myself that. But you do you. And don't let anybody tell you what you're doing is wrong. Because you're doing what you need to do just to survive right now. And that's the most important. You grieve how you want. Thank you for that. People need to hear that. We need to do a shameless plug for you. (laughs) (laughs) I know you have a social media company. I'm a social media strategist, consultant, marketer, manager, all in one. And essentially what I do is I help small businesses and bloggers and so forth market their business via social media. It can be done a couple different ways. I can, you know, get hired to do all that, or I can train you to do that and train you how to do it on the best ways and so forth. Best place to find me for social media is, here comes the shameless plug, tracysocialmedia.com. Simple as that. Now, it's T-R-A-C-Y, no E. Okay. (laughs) I might be taking you up on that. (laughs) You help people in so many ways, if you think about it. I think it comes in many forms. I think there are people that are in need in every aspect. So I think it's cool. I think you're blazing forward day at a time, but you are getting stronger each day. And I feel very blessed to have you as a friend. And I feel very blessed that you came on today to share your story with everyone and with me. Thank you, Beth. I can't thank you enough for even thinking of having me on. This, again, another great way just to get Andrew's name out and helping if needed. And a little bit of healing each time. Each time we talk about it, we heal a little more. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I... I want to send my love and blessings to you and the family. Thank you. I'm going to link all of Christina Tracy's information in the description box below. That way, if you guys want to contact her or reach out or even just check out her pages, feel free to do that. It's all available to you. And thank you again for being my guest today. 
Beck, thanks for being my friend. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you so much. Now you're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) To the spirit. Podcast. Supernatural science. In the I'm ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. Magic.